Welcome to the Mettler Marketing Podcast, where we will talk about marketing strategies and tactics to grow your practice. I am your host, Linda Mettler, and I have worked with dental practices for several years now, and I want to share my knowledge and experience with you so that you can gain valuable and actionable steps on how to grow your practice. We will talk about the latest and greatest in marketing, feature some guest speakers so that you can hear firsthand what is and is not working, and help you unravel the complexities of the digital marketing world. I work really closely with my clients, so we will also delve into some other issues that affect your practice from time to time, such as staffing problems, COVID protocols, and similar issues. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to the Mettler Marketing Podcast again. Today, we are so lucky we get to talk with David Rinkus. David has been uh, involved actively in healthcare lending since 2000. He has closed hundreds of loans, helping dentists acquire and start up practices, restructure debt uh, with office expansion, real estate acquisition, build outs, and equipment purchases. He's done it all. David likes to evaluate the needs of healthcare professionals to design custom solutions to help achieve their financial objectives. He has worked with dentists throughout the country and currently focuses on Arizona. David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Oh, Linda, thanks for having me and and, uh, glad to be here. Great. So, David, tell me a little bit about the current financial climate for the dental industry and how it has changed since COVID. Uh, Good question. Um, You know, I'll I'll say this. Historically, uh, dental practices have done well through um, challenges like COVID, uh, recessions and so forth. Uh, The Great Recession may be a little bit of a different story, but I think the current financial climate is really good. Uh, things have returned to normal. Um, you know, lending is where it used to be uh, uh, prior to the lockdown last March, and I think it you know it took a couple months to get to that point because uh, banks, you know, on the lending side, we weren't sure what was going to happen with those practices being locked down for. Uh, you know, from mid-March to through the end of May. And in some parts of the country, uh, you know, the lockdown went into July. So, uh, you know, were patients going to return? Were collections going to go back up? Were people going to do the procedures uh, with confidence? Um, And and I think that has returned greatly. And I'll use the example of uh, my, um, my personal dentist office, uh, they um, are hiring a second associate and they are seeing 80 new patients per month, uh, which, as you know, is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's that is that's stellar. That's yeah. Real, 80 new patients a month is stellar. That's awesome. it is. And, and uh, so they're doing very well. And the majority of dentists I have spoken to, dentists, practice brokers, uh, anybody within the industry, uh, I've the strong majority is it has returned uh, patients have returned numbers are up um you know it's very the very uh small minority that is having a problem 
And um, and that's the smaller practice, which historically the smaller practices have just not performed real well anyhow. So I, I think, um, you know, overall, though, I, I don't know that things have changed during they changed during COVID. Um, but on the backside, the flip side here, now that we're approaching the end of the pandemic, hopefully, um, you know, I think things are, are more normal and back to the way they've always been. I, I have to agree with you. I think most of my, my clients, I, I would say all of my clients are at least 85%, if not 100% back to normal at this mm-hmm. point. So so mm-hmm. it's good to hear that, you know, things in your industry from your perspective are, are back to normal and lending practices are, are back to normal as well. Do you think, um, are there any changes in the, in the financial climate post-COVID that affect the dental industry either negatively or positive that you think are here to stay like anything that people need to incorporate in their in in their business practice post-covid or is everything pretty much normal the way it was i see things more normalized um i don't think there's anything um any finance financial changes that were made um post-covid other than the the probably the second half of 2020, um, you know, lenders, we were all cautious, just, okay, are things going to return, like I mentioned, right? Right. Um, and, and the fact that they have returned, uh, I, I'm i in touch with, uh, I have lender colleagues that, um, you know, we're always in touch with each other, and we're not seeing anything different within our lending guidelines at our banks um, to prohibit lending money to somebody other than what is the normal policies. So I, I think, uh, I think, uh, great. you know, that, that lockdown was pretty scary. Um, sure. But I think, uh, we're seeing that, um, the values of practices are remaining the same. And in some cases, um, might be going a little bit higher in some areas. Really? That's, in, that's yeah. interesting. Well, I know a lot of, a lot of dentists will be really happy to hear that. That <laughs> <So, laughs> <right? laughs> the values are remaining the same or going higher. Everybody yeah. will be really happy to, to hear that. So yeah, I, I think one change too, though, it, within the practice is probably more on the staff side. Uh, right. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of staff, uh, when the lockdown came, they were able to get unemployment. And of course, the unemployment at the time, the government was paying uh, a premium, which right. is higher than their income. And so they didn't return. So you probably right. see some new faces in a practice. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Staffing's you know. the number one challenge all my clients have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Continues. Yeah. Conti- has been since the pandemic and continues to be the number one challenge is staff. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I think some people left the industry as well. I, th- I think some staff, some, you know, hygienists, mm-hmm. assistants maybe just decided, you know, this is kind of a scary thing and didn't want to risk it happening again and left the industry. I, I'm not sure, but, um, Staffing is definitely a challenge. What other challenges do you see in the dental industry from a from a financial from perspective? You know, from your perspective, do you see any other um, big challenges for dental offices? Maybe somebody new coming out of school or somebody wanting to transition out. You know, t- retire kind of the last five years of their career. Do you see any big financial challenges for them? Um, I think um, financial challenges now and going what i'm seeing right now uh, 
you know, our, our student loans is a big challenge, uh, right. right? Because the increase, um, and as an example, so when I got into this financing um, 20 years ago for a uh, dentist, um, the average student loan was probably about $150,000. Um, and and today, it today it is it is just escalating quickly. It's it's probably four hundred in, in a lot of cases. Um, a wow. lot of dental college, a lot of dental schools are a hundred thousand dollars a year, um, and, and so you know that's quite a bit of money. I think that's increased actually over the last couple of years. From it's gone from that three hundred to four hundred level, um, and, and then you'll have. The other bigger challenge is when you have a husband and wife dentist, um, and now all of a sudden you have seven, eight hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Right. And, and so I think that that's always going to be a challenge um, uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't know what the their solution is to the student loans, uh, but when you have that type of debt, um, then it comes down to what kind of practice can you buy that cash flows enough to provide payment to uh, the debt service of the business, um, and then the, the, uh, student loan debt. And then of course, you know, people want to buy a nice house, um, you know, and nice cars. Uh, so, you know, those, that's a challenge there. Um, I, I think, um, you know, what I've see here in Arizona as another challenge is, um, uh, the corporate dentistry coming, uh, getting bigger and bigger. And that's been coming on for probably the last, Oh, 10 years, maybe. Um, and it's very true here in Arizona, because in Arizona, you don't need to be a dentist to own a practice. So um, a lot of the uh, good practices are being purchased by the corporate uh, dental groups. Um, and so that's taken some of those practices off the market. I mentioned, I can see an increase in pricing in practices. And uh, part of that has to do with that corporate side because they pay a premium to buy that practice. Um, so I believe that's driving uh, the standard pra- price up um, in, in the market. Um, so I, I think those are um, some challenges. I think um, the other challenge because of that corporate side is going to be the the smaller practice the smaller uh practitioner that um you know maybe only has three or four chairs and when that corporate office dentist moves in uh their economy of scale is so much better because they're 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 buying cheaper they're you know they're they're doing more procedures probably uh whereas that smaller dentist may not be able to compete with that um, so that would be my concern is for the smaller dentist in, in the future, um, what's going to happen to that. Um, and, and, you know, when dentists come out of school, they, you know, the standard is they go buy a practice, right? Um, right. and I, I think, you know, the other side of that corporate piece is that, uh, there is a benefit for those dentists coming out of school because they can go get a job, uh, in that, um, environment and the corporate environment. And um, develop their hand speed and and learn how to run a practice and see how it's right. managed and, before and I'm they sure go that's, by. Right, and I'm sure that's attractive for them, um, especially if they are coming out of school with so much more debt yes. than they used to. Mm-hmm. So a lot, I've I've seen a lot of younger dentists come out and and instead of trying to go buy a practice or become an associate, 
you know, in a smaller practice, they do go to work for the corporate office because they can have that guaranteed paycheck and mm -hmm. they've got that larger loan to pay off. And like you say, they can get a little more experience. So I am seeing that trend as well to where the, the younger dentist coming out of school is going to work for a corporate office at least for a few years sure. before going out on their own. So Yeah, I've talked um, to a few and, you know, their concern is um, of certainly that, that amount of debt that they have. Right. Um, Especially right. when you consider, you think about it, you know, a dentist coming out of school is 28, 30 years old. Uh, right. And they come out of school, let's just say it's $400,000 in student loan debt. Right. Um, and they want to buy a house, right? And so right. the average, ha I mean, residential prices on houses are going through the roof. Um, Crazy, yeah. Right? So, you know, <laughs> yep. there's another half million. Um, yep. You know, you, you buy a car, you have a family, you have kids. Um, yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're 32 years old and you're, you know, a couple million dollars in debt. So, yeah, um, it, it's a scary, scary thing. Yeah, and if if you're if they're like my son, he's just coming out of law school, and mm. he's so tired of being poor and broke and <laughs> starving <laughs> student. He just wants a job and to have some money, and you know. So, so I can see where you know that is um, attractive for some of the younger mm -hmm. dentists coming out of school to just go and you know work for a corporate practice and uh, make some money, but it is. A little bit sad that some it seems like it is shrinking for some of these solo practices making it harder for them um, some of the uh, solo practices to sell to a younger dentist I'm seeing that the you know the older dentists the ones that want to retire and sell their practice they're having to sell to corporate um, companies because mm -hmm. there are fewer younger dentists you know able to buy or wanting to buy a practice and take on that much debt. So yeah, yeah, that's what I, I see. I, I yeah. see that, and I see um, you know the the um, you know the average size of a practice anymore is so different as well. Um, it used to be that uh, a million dollar practice was basically unheard of, and today that's more the norm. Um, and you know, I, I remember the first million dollar loan I did, I think it took like five months to put the loan together, oh. and, and, you know, it, it, because it was just such a big deal, um, right. that, uh, you know, the bank was a little bit concerned. And so we just had to go through a lot of interviews, a lot of, uh, uh you know, due diligence and, and looking at the practice and making sure that, you know, we had the right, uh, we we're com comfortable with the buyer. Um, whereas today a million dollar deal, those happen all day long. Right. Um, so yeah, a little, little different, um, as things are, are moving forward. Right. Right. Well, what would be your, um, top piece of advice for, for one of these younger, newer dentists coming out of school that, you know, maybe mm -hmm. they're going to work for a corporate office, but maybe they want to ha have their own practice, you know, in three to five years, Financially, what would be your your piece of advice for them to set themselves up to, you know, be able to get a loan of that size and acquire a practice? Really great question and, and um, something that has been asked by dentists uh, for years, uh, student dentists. Um, and I used to give the same information. Um, I've done, you know, speaking at some different schools. Uh, but I think for a new dentist, the thing to keep in mind is to uh, kind of what we were just talking about, right, is to keep your debt low. Uh, so don't go out and buy the, you know, the big 
you know, fat house right away. Um, and maybe put off buying the, you know, the really nice car right away. Um, you know, just kind of enjoy your income for a while, but build your assets up. Uh, keep your credit clean. Um, and when I say credit clean, um, your average score, FICO score, if it's over 700, um, you're attractive to all lenders in the, in the dental uh, industry. Um, and, and you can check your score online. So that's there's so many different uh, sites to go to today uh, to get a free credit report or get your score. Uh, so I think that's, that's one thing to be aware of. Um, and one something that's really important that I, I don't think dentists think of, and you think about it when you go to dental school or you go to college, right? You, you typically go away. Um, you know, you leave your hometown. So where do you really want to practice? Have you looked at the area that you want to go to? Um, and, you know, not, not everybody goes home. Uh, not everybody goes to, um, you know, not, there's not always a practice available somewhere. So where are you going to be comfortable? Um, and as you know, and when you leave and go to college, um, you know, it's not unusual to end up where you went to school when you moved there. Um, right. So I think that's something to be, to think about. And that's important also for the family. So, you know, if there are spouses involved, kids, um, that's something you need to think through a little bit um, in, in your planning. Um, I Another thing uh, to do is, and I think it's almost standard anymore, is dentist, the new dentist coming out of school. Uh, it seems to me that they um, do more procedures. Um, they're more, uh, you know, it's not just... Uh, standard basic dentistry they're doing implants and 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 invisalign and different procedures that um you know maybe the selling dentist didn't come out of school doing um and so they retain more for their practice which goes to their income um and, and something that's also very important is develop your team um, who are the advisors that you're going to uh consult with you know that is a great piece of advice great so you, thanks uh so i mean you, you think about it you need you need a bank you need someone that's going to help you market the practice right um you know you need a good cpa um uh you need a consult you may need a consultant you may not um at least uh at some point in time i can see a consultant coming in and you certainly need an attorney to um, review contracts and leases and, and make sure that um you know things uh, you're not getting stuck with something that you don't want, right? Or you're right, signing exactly. something that you don't know what you're signing. Exactly. Um, and, and as you know, in, in our industry, all of these people, there are people like this that all specialize in dental. Um, and, right. And I think that's a value too, to understand the industry. And, um, you know, I if you develop that team, um, I think you're going to protect yourself in the long run. Um, certainly not like buying a house. It's you're developing your business that you're probably going to have for the next 25, 30 years. No, I think that's a great, great piece of advice, David. And I agree with you 100% on that. And then especially the part about, you know, there, there is so much value to developing that team and having the members of that team understand the healthcare and specifically the dental industry. Because there are so many nuances and so many things mm -hmm. and 
you know, dentists, same with medical practices, you know, it, there's just mm-hmm. so many nuances to it. And the more your team uh, understands your world, the better they're going to be able to help you and, or help the dentist, you know, so yes, I, I agree with absolutely. that. Absolutely. So absolutely. And I know you're very involved in, in the dental industry in Arizona. So I know you do a lot of work with the dental association and a lot of other vendors, and I know you're very well networked. So I know you've got a lot of great, great people to refer out, um, for those dental, dental offices. So David, um, and, and your, your financial advice sounds like it's great for everybody, not just for dentists. Keep your credit clean, <laughs> keep your debt low. <laughs> you know? Don't go out yeah, and yeah. buy the fancy cars until you can uh, afford it. We, everybody needs to hear that, right? <laughs> pre, well, pretty, pretty standard, right? I mean, pretty uh, standard. Uh, good, but you know, I, you know, um, I, I, you know, have lots of stories about, uh, different younger dentists I've met and how they came out of school and they've got that job making 150 grand a year all of a sudden after being in school for eight years. And and I had this uh, one husband and um, husband and wife uh, dental team one time that uh, they, I met them and they were looking to buy a practice. Right. And so I, I went into that little, um, you know, talk about not spending your money. And of course, and not buying the big uh, fancy car and his face just changed. And I said, what'd you buy? And, <laughs> and he said, um, I got the, the 740 Beamer. I said, oh. And I looked, I looked at his wife. I said, and what did you get? <laughs> and she said, um, I got the C-Class. I said, oh, so you took a step back, but you still got a pretty nice car, right? God, yeah, and, exactly. And, and they just were looking at me and I said, look, you know, it's just something that if your income supporting it, great. You don't have kids, but that's something you just got to be aware of. And, yeah, and I they think, just. I, I think you just have to think about the future, and especially if you want to own a practice or in any kind of business, mm-hmm. you've got to think ahead a little bit as to how to set yourself up financially. It's just like when you go get a mortgage. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to think about how do I set myself up to qualify for this mortgage. It's the same thing for acquiring a practice, right? You've got to set yourself up financially so that you look good to that lender so that you can get that loan. Absolutely. So, and, really and important. Knowing that that's your business, that's going to be right. your life for the next 30 years. You're, you know, you're going to work toward that and have that someday. So why go right. further into debt to have it today when, right. you know, if you're, you're successful at your business, maybe you just pay cash for that one day, right. uh, for instance. David, um, I'm going to set you up with my son. Like I said, he just came out of law school. He can't okay. wait to get a job and spend money. I know oh, the first cool. thing he, I know the first thing he's going to do is go to the car dealership. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to get you to intercede to intercept him. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be setting you guys up instantly. Um, no, that's great. So David, I, I'm wondering too, a little bit, if you can tell me your perspective a little bit. I work with a lot of clients that are maybe, oh, maybe five to eight years away from wanting to retire, to transition mm-hmm. out, um, to sell their practice. Um, and, and, and a lot of times they're not sure what they want to do. Do they want to bring in an associate? Do they mm-hmm. want to sell to a corporate entity? Um, they all, they come to me because they, you know, they've kind of been motoring along at you know, the same patient base, same, same production levels for five or 10 years. And now they're thinking about, you know, transitioning, you know, a few years down the road, but they know that they've got to, 
do some marketing, increase that new that new patient number every month. So I try to help them with that. What do they need to do from your from a financial perspective to to make that practice look attractive to sell? What's mm-hmm. your perspective on that? Like, what's the best way for them? To, and, and how do they structure that? I mean, what's good for them as far as structuring that sale of that yeah. practice? I, I think you answered part of it right there, Linda, was um, really um, keeping the numbers up. And, and I think too many dentists uh, that sell, um, you know, they, they start checking out. And, right. and their numbers drop a little bit. So when their numbers drop, of course, the value drops. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's... And it's also um, a challenge for a bank to make a loan when they see numbers dropping. Um, so so I think- it's so the bank doesn't necessarily want to give the loan to the buyer if the seller's got three or four years of declining production. You're saying there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, okay, and, and it could it it will um, affect how the loan is structured. For instance, ah, so let's just say that somebody drops for three years in a row. Um, okay. and the bank's not really sure why that is happening, right? So is it patients are leaving? Is there something wrong with the staff? You know, um, you know, are they leaving? Uh, what What's driving that change? So the bank um, in that situation uh, may say, well, we want the seller to hold a note. So let's just say the sales price is 500000 And, um, you know, the bank may say, well, we'll do four, but we want the seller to hold a hundred. So oh, interesting. 20%. Um, okay. You know, that could happen. And and then, of course, you know, the seller, that could uh, affect the seller's retirement plans by not having that extra 100000 um in the bank. Right. Um, so I think that's one thing where, where um, sellers, uh, you know, they, they realize maybe three to five years before that they want when they want to retire, but then it's just, they don't look into, they don't do the research, right? So what's the actual value of my practice? What can I actually get? Um, what, you know, what, what would that look like? Um, you know, it's just like the other thing too, as far as a practice goes, it's, it's, uh, it's like when you sell your house, right? When you sell your house, you may put a little, put a fresh coat of paint, you know, you clean up, you get rid of the clutter, you, uh, you, you know, clean up the, the yard, sure. uh, you know, yeah. you do all that and make it presentable. So, um, so you want to be, able, you want to do that. I wouldn't suggest going out and investing in, um, uh, you know, like new flooring or something like that. Um, unless of course you've got the 1970s green shag carpet, um, <laughs> that, then you might want to change that. Um, and flooring today is pretty, pretty simple to do, right. uh, but make the practice presentable. Um, right. you know, that, right. that's something, um, you know, you also, you mentioned, um, selling to an associate and, or having an associate, hiring an associate and, and certainly, um, I, I think that's probably the easier way for a bank to make a loan is to, um, you know, uh, finance the associate because he's, when they have an associate in the practice, they, they already know the patient base, they know the staff, they've already developed um, those relationships which are key to the success of that, or ongoing success, success of that practice. Um, so I, I think um, hiring associates not a bad idea at all. Um, right. I right. think that 
could lend to a, uh, a quicker sale. Um, and it also, um, going back to my point about not letting the numbers drop, if you bring in an associate who is a little bit more gung-ho because they're starting their career, your numbers might actually go up. That's, that's what I see. That, that's yeah. exactly what I see. Because like you said, um, sometimes that, you know, that dentist that is three to five years from wanting to retire has checked out to some degree. Mm-hmm, and you sure. bring in that associate that's younger, that's gung-ho, you know, th- they want to jump into marketing. They're social media savvy. They, you know, yeah. they, they're really ready. They want more patience. They want that work. They want to develop their skills. Mm-hmm. So yes, you absolutely do see production increase, or at least I have in the, in the practices that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, a good way. I, so I, I think that's big. Um, you know, it's, uh, but I think overall, you know, if the seller does it right, they'll protect the value of the business. Um, right. and they'll have more for retirement and, and, and that's, somewhere where they probably want to consult with uh, with somebody. Do you think it's wise, David, to for them to get um, a practice evaluation even five years before they are thinking of selling? Um, I don't think five years um, spending the money on a, a practice valuation because, uh, you know, go back to the number thing. Um, if, you know, they increase their uh, numbers 20%, over that five years before they check out, that's going to increase that value. I think having the conversation with uh, a bank, a broker, a CPA, and saying, okay, let's understand what the the current values in the market are. So I have an idea uh, when I meet with my wealth manager, um, what kind of money I'm going to have? What kind of taxes am I going to have? Um, Gotcha. and, And so then they can do some planning um, and at least understand. And, and just a, a quick example, I've had, I've seen many dentists that uh, will call and say, well, I think my practice is worth this. And I'm like, well, you're talking 100% of your collections. You know, that's not, that's not what the market is. Um, right. Because the, the market varies wherever you are, whether it's California, Arizona, Colorado, um, or New York City, right? Uh, right. Those values are going to change. Um, so I think, you know, depending on how you sell it, whether you hire a broker, whether you, uh, hire that associate and sell to them, um, you need to know what to expect out of it and how to plan for that. But I, I wouldn't recommend spending money five years ahead of time, but starting conversations, I think makes sense. Yes. Sure. Sure. No, that's, that's a great piece of advice. That definitely makes sense from what I've seen. What I, definitely. What other what other tips of the of the trade do you have for us, David, or or insights or piece of advice, or do you have anything else for us? Oh wow, You're testing me now, Linda. Uh, <laughs> Putting you on the uh, spot there, David. Uh, see, I, I don't. Maybe I left it all on the table. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna 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 wrap up in a few minutes, so I just thought I'd see what else. Yeah, what else? What other um, tips of the trade you had for for anybody for our listeners out there? You know, I I think it's in summary, it's probably more uh, on either side, buyer seller. It, it's a matter of being prepared. Um, and it just like it is in anything, but in business, um, you know, you, you probably as a buyer, you want to be get the right CPA and help you understand the numbers. Right. 
Uh, right. You want to understand what the financing options are out there, what different banks offer you, and, and understand what you want in a banking relationship or any relationship. Um, and I, I think, uh, to me, the, the newer dentist I've been talking to, um, they seem to be much more uh, aware and prepared than they were, say, 15 years ago. Um, and I think that right. has to do, like you mentioned, um, you know, just uh, internet and um, things like that, where they can get the get information that maybe 15 years ago you didn't get. Right. Um, right. So I, I think just being aware is is the key, um, and being prepared. Great. I I would I would agree with that. I I see so many. Uh, people come out of school, you know, I see both. I see some people come out and they really don't have much business acumen or much business information. Mm -hmm. And then I see these, the dentists that come out of school that just have so much information. And if they aren't being taught in school, they, they have the savvy to go get that information on their own and, Mm -hmm. and find that person that can help them. But I do think that's crucial um, for people, people coming out of school and people that have been, you know, had their own practice for, you know, 10 years, you, you've, mm-hmm. you've got to treat it as a business and you've got to have those great relationships with your bank is probably number one <laughs> <laughs> and your attorney and your CPA. And, you know, you, you have to realize it's more than just practicing dentist dentistry, it's running a business. And so having yes. that business acumen is, is crucial for them. So I agree. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your knowledge and, and everything, your expertise with us today. I really do appreciate it so much. And uh, I will um, put a link in our show notes for people to contact you if they, if they have any further questions and want to reach out and contact you. So thank you so much for that. And um Hopefully everybody, you know, feel free to contact David or myself. And remember, if you want to have a great day, make it a great day. Thanks, Linda. Are you committed to the growth of your practice? Mettler Marketing can help. At Mettler Marketing, we help dental practices gain new patients, increase referrals, and maximize patient retention with customized marketing solutions tailored to fit your needs. Visit www.mettlermarketing.com to schedule a free consultation and learn how we can help grow your practice. Thank you for tuning in to the Mettler Marketing Podcast. Please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you would like to be a guest on our show, visit MettlerMarketing.com and drop us a note. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and help our show reach more listeners.